So what are you doing at Axios? I write the morning markets newsletter. So Sure. What's good is you'll be able to hear your voice. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do the morning markets newsletter every day with the, my partner, Emily Peck, who is a former HuffPo person. So Where were you before? Uh, the Times. I was writing markets financial news for The Times for about my, four uh, years. And before that, well, FT, Bloomberg, voice? Journal? What was I before that? No, weirdly, I was at Vice. I was, I was uh, at Vice Oh, News. that reminds me. I got an email from Vice. I never responded. Oh, really? They want to talk about crypto. I've, oh, cool. Yeah, they've been yeah. doing good stuff on yeah. crypto. Um, and I was at Vice for a year. I was, like, kind of running their, like, finance vertical. And I was, like... Did they sell? Not yet. Yeah. They were, like, looking for... They were huge. It was huge, In, yeah. like, 2017, 18? Yeah. Yeah, I saw you on Vice. You had to go eat an entire buffalo with uh, Action Bronson. <laughs> it was a great episode. It was, it was such a weird... Is that true? No. Uh. It was such a weird place to work. Like, it was very strange. My, I, I went there. I went to Vice. To so that, what, South 2nd Street in Williamsburg? I went to Williamsburg. I was on Desus and Mero before they got on Showtime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had an episode with them. Which... I was in the elevator with them once, and I, like, I'm... I was so old. I mean, I'm getting older. How old are you? Oh. Whoa, what's this? It's Garfunkel, <laughs> man. Yeah, this is some anti-stock uh, <laughs> market crash music. I need yeah. that. I need that. I need some serenity. How old are you? I yeah. guess that's what Josh was listening to. How old are you? 44. You're my age. You're not getting old. <laughs> You're aging We're... like fine wine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, turn but... art back on. <laughs> Garfunkel, man. Yeah, that is. That is a good song to play. Uh... You know George Winston, the piano player? No. That's some peaceful music. George Winston. Is it George Winston? Is that his name? It must be. I yeah. That grew, I grew up with that in my house. I don't know why. You mean George Benson? No, George Winston, the pianist. Well, I don't know. He's, yeah, it's like uh, he has albums that are like December, winter, Thanksgiving. Very festive. <laughs> piano. Maybe I, should get my, maybe I should get my computer out. You definitely should. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the dock. Do you look at there's that tick index? Do you look at that? No. I I don't know. Do you need you might need a Bloomberg to access that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, whenever it gets extreme, like everyone tweets it anyway. That's true, yeah. Yeah, that's the only place I I was saying to Josh, I feel like we're like we're like approaching circuit breaker territory because we're just not bouncing at all. I'm afraid this would be like a flush. When was the last circuit breaker right Part after COVID? 2020. There was a couple, there was a couple of those, right? What's the first one? Is it 7.5? I don't know what it is. I don't know what the rules are. So what, are the, a- what are the rules? Let's, let's, go, let's go to the rule book. Right. NYSE. Here it is. Circuit breakers halt trading. Set 7%. All right. 7, 13, right. and then 20. All right, chill, chill, chill. Why? You don't think that could happen? <laughs> no, I hope not. But wait. No. Trading will only halt for 15 minutes. It gets shut at before so, 325. So level, All right, there's like a time. Level three thing. is like a flagrant two. Like, it, yeah. it's done. If it hits level three, it's done. No, but if it happens after 330, they just, they, like, they, 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 let, it, they let it play out. <laughs> like, the, they're not going to halt it and then reopen it and close it. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not bouncing even a little. Now, for GameStop, there are different circuit breaker rules, right? Dude, Duncan's got this tinfoil hat shit. 
<laughs> for GameStop, there are they will never halt you GameStop know because they're favorite, afraid of Twitter. Duncan's favorite source of news besides for Axios is Infowars. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you you kind of you kind of have a little bit of an Infowars vibe. Oh, I feel like proud you could, to say I'm no, not, not personality wise, but, is, I, but I feel I I could see I could see you uh, dipping in. If you don't know who that is, and what? How do you explain your Alex Jones tattoo on your back? That's right. <laughs> oh, that's his thing. Yeah. Okay. I could see. I the, actually think it, is Infowars gone? Did they declare bankruptcy or did he declare personal bankruptcy? They're trying to separate them somehow. Um, oh my god! I just googled Infowars. Why would you do that? The tagline is Infowars. Throw your computer out. There's a war on for your mind. The number one independent news service in the world, battling globalism. Oh, f oh my god! Disgusting maniac. I don't know. Got to hear both sides. <laughs> You don't think Hunter Me. Biden crashed the stock market today? Then I don't really know. I don't know, really know if we could relate. <laughs> you know? Do you know who that is? Whoa. Who? What? Oh, yeah, don't have your headphones that sounds on. Very, oh, that sounds very metally. Yeah, guys. What show are we doing with the volume? Show some, put some respect on it's his not, name. It's not volume. It's distorting. Why am I distorting? Uh, it's a, it's a sign. Let's get everything. Let's get everything uncompeted. Oh, no. Are we going out LOD? It's just well, it's only three o'clock, but L yeah, we're on the lows. Probably rallies. Into Duncan, the do something. I don't think so. I don't know. I made the mistake of looking at my Robin Hood. There we go. Bonds are starting to rally. They should finally. The money has to go somewhere, my friend. Well, apparently it doesn't. <laughs> what you don't think that's just a classic trade out of arc into uh, five-year treasuries? No. <laughs> Isn't that what we've seen in prior recessions? How much is ARC down now? 70. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's remarkable. That assumes that you bought it at the high, though. Okay. So if you bought down 20, you're only down 60. <laughs> I think, I think uh, Berkshire might be getting a margin call. That might be all the first selling that we're seeing. Actually, ARC, is, Arc bounce is only down 69%. Not nice. Are people finally leaving her, though? No. Uh, she had a billion dollars of inflows as of a week ago. I feel like this, we got to be close to the point where people are crying, uncle. How? Yeah, don't, and I do mean, not, do not pull leverage. that martingale shit anymore. I was telling Ben, I, like, I don't know all these terms. Like, I know what mm. you're describing. Oh when it's like a psychologist study, like, what? You know, like Dunning-Kruger, for example. Yeah. That one I know. But anything that's named after a psychological study, like Martingale, don't come to me Martingale with that. Martingale is like Vegas, bro. Don't come to it's me with that. Psychology. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just psychology. What are you saying that I'm doing to you? You're coming to me with terms that I'm not familiar with. Okay. So that's how, isn't that how we learn? It's disrespectful. Stop it. <laughs> so what? I can't ever tell you something new? You know, you you know, have to know everything that you I know? You know in 40 Old Virgin when Kevin Hart says, watch your mouth and help me with the sale? <laughs> that's what's going on. <laughs> Why? Did Ben know what a Martingale strategy was? I don't know. I don't know what a Martin Gale's What the hell does that mean? When he describes it, you'll know it. It's very pretentious. I was saying that the buyer of ARC, because Balchunas always has these charts showing like, and yet again, they're taking in another $10 billion or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, who the hell is the buyer down 60% in the hole on any ETF? That's never happened ever. Ever. Yeah. So I'm saying it can only be somebody who is pursuing a martingale uh, strategy. Martingale is a gambling system. It's not, psych it's not a, a psychological, here it is. The martingale strategy involves doubling up on losing bets and reducing winning bets by half. 
Okay. It is essentially a strategy. Two. Yeah. Shit, I lost again four, and you just keep going until you're even. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Double, then quadruple, then yeah. What, what octuple? You yeah. know who made that famous and in then, the market? And then you finally yeah. win. Munger used to do it in the seventies. What? The Martingale strategy. Did we do the clap yet? No, right? No. no. Clap's coming up right it's here. Still cold open. Okay. This open is very cold. The Nasdaq's down 6%. Ice cold. One hour left, though. Anything anything can happen. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome to the Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by me, Michael Batnick, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Masterworks. What was the Nasdaq down today? Like five and a half percent. Do you know how much my Picasso was down? Probably flat on the day. Flat on the day. How, do you love, how much do you love that? I love it. Okay. How is that? How do you own a Picasso? You don't. I know how much money you have. It's not that much. <laughs> Tell us how you do that. Well, there's a site called Masterworks.io. Okay. And they fractionalize uh, art. So I'm a proud art. owner. I don't have my wall, but I've got it on my virtual wall, my digital wall. Okay. So you own point something percent of a Picasso. That's kind of cool. Not to brag, but yes. Okay. How many yeah. other? How many other pieces of I've art got, do you own pieces of? I've got six. I think I've got seven. I think I've got seven. I've got uh, so six others in my in my repertoire, my okay. portfolio. Okay. So how do you do it? And how do you, how do you get do liquid it? when a? <laughs> how do you do it? Do paintings sell? Like, do they, t- tell me the whole thing. Do they sell? Tell me the whole thing. I go to the site. I see what I'm interested in. I buy. And then when they when they sell on my behalf, I will get liquidity. Ben got liquidity. Ben got a sale. Ben got a sale of one of the paintings he was a fractional owner in. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Anyway, here's what you do. You go to masterworks.io. You, you got to check out the disclaimer, masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Let them know we sent you. Uh, and thank you for listening. Here we are. Beats. Yeah. Here we are. Oh, he's a fan oh, of the man. of the oh, nonsense. Yeah, All right, Mike. All right, episode number forty-five of the Compound and Friends. You guys who have been listening know that we have lined up a series of extremely intelligent guests ever since we started last June. Today, we're very fortunate. We have one of my favorite uh, people covering the market. One of my favorite journalists. Will you call yourself a reporter or a journalist? A uh, reporter. But you're both, though, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm probably less of a reporter now. So when you're a journalist, you turn the hat backwards? That's like right, that's in, right. Uh, in Over the Top? All right. Matthew Phillips, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. So happy to have you. Happy to be here. Happy to be you here. You excited about this one? Are you excited as I am? Very. Very excited. All right, we wrote this whole bio for you. Can I read it? Sure. Okay, if any of this is untrue, uh, Duncan put it in here. <laughs> Uh, Matt Phillips reported for the Albany Business Review and the Bakersfield Californian from 2002 to 2005. All right. That's pretty much it. Is there more? Yeah, there's a few things. Uh, Matt was a Wall Street Journal reporter. That's how I met you uh, from 2005 to 2012. A pretty exciting time to be at the Journal. You covered some some shit. Yeah. Yeah. It all went to hell. It, It really did. And then you were at Quartz covering finance and markets. Uh, Editor-in-chief for Vice Money from 16 to 18, markets reporter for the New York Times from 18 to 22, not 18 years old, 
from 2018 <laughs> to 2022. And now you are the markets correspondent for Axios and you co-write the Axios Markets Newsletter. Over 650,000 people get that uh, newsletter, myself included. I read it every morning. I never miss it. You awesome, guys do man. an amazing job with it. Thank you. All right. Let's start with this. What the f*** is Axios? You guys came out of nowhere, and yeah. you're like half of my reading material now. Yeah, no, what exactly it's awesome. is this about? It's built on it's built on sort of this mantra. There's like, you know, when you go to start a new place, and you're just like, they've got their own language, they've got their own yeah, they've got axiomatic. Their own like, is that where it comes from? Or axiom? They've got it's smart brevity mm. is the thing. This infuses everything. And at first, when you show up someplace, you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, this, that's what they say. But it's really like everything about the place is like. Is it smart? Is it fast? Are you wasting people's time? Okay. And I love that. Yeah. And it, I love it too because, you know, you don't have to do all the stuff that you have to do at like a traditional media place where it's like, can't we find a yeah, person fact, who's- fact, fact checking. <laughs> yeah, right. all that. Who has time for that? <laughs> no, I love the facts. It's just like all the kind of like nonsense that you dress up around the f- or story. Kevin Smith from Oregon who just sold his in his 401k. Right, these random right, people. right. Oregon. What did I say? Oregon. I'm a gone guy. I say I'm already. I'm sorry. I, I promised myself I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Hold on. So I actually, just as I was asking you that question, it occurs to me, I asked Sam Rowe that exact same question on this show. <laughs> and he actually said smart brevity. All right. So you guys really like eat, sleep and breathe the thing. That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, just don't waste my time. Don't you, waste the reader. What's time. your typical article length? It's never, it's never more than 600 words. And it's almost always between like 300 and 400. You respect your audience. Respect the audience, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, that's very that's a very au courant concept, though, because nobody's going to read. Dude, no, no, nobody knows who you're talking about. Au courant. Yeah, no. I didn't know we were going to speak the language of international diplomacy. Okay, yet. I apologize. All right, wait a minute. So you are covering markets. This is something that you have done at the highest levels. You've done this at the Journal, New York Times. Yeah. Uh, so you've got that ability to understand everything, but now you have to make it short and sweet. Yeah. And impactful. Is that a I would say I get to hard? I get to make it short and sweet. Okay. You know what I mean? So much about, you know, working in newspapers, all those places are amazing. I mean, they're just like amazing. Yeah. They still do amazing work. But so much of what you write is dictated by the format. You know yeah. what I mean? It's dictated by a the Bloom- paper. Bloomberg's got like a 16-paragraph format. And you yeah. kind of have to like by paragraph three, they're rehashing old articles. Right, right. right. It's like, why? The why? journal makes you find the dumbest person and quote them. <laughs> right. From Oregon. From Oregon. <laughs> Most no, but, most of their sources are from Oregon. Okay, what's the difference between what you were doing last at the Times versus now? What did you have to do there that you no longer have to do? Uh, Put a liberal slant on everything. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do that anymore, right? <laughs> now you can tell the truth. No comment. No comment. Okay. It's a uh, uh, you know basically it's like yeah I think I can just kind of cut right to the core of what I think is going on. I mean it's way more voicey what I write now. You know what I mean? I mean I think to be honest, covering the markets. It's an interpretive act, right? Mm. Like you have to, you cannot, there's no scientific answer to why is the market up, right? You have to, even if it seems very clear, you, you're interpreting. And so like, I think I'm a little bit more straightforward about like, hey, you know, this is what it seems like going on. Here's why I say that. Well, so, but here's the thing though. Anybody can write interpretive, but I think your, you doing interpretive is more valuable given how long and for how many outlets you've been covering this stuff. 
I'd rather have your interpretation. Thank you. Than a guy with like dot ETH in his Twitter handle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I feel like it's it's coming from a place of experience. Well, which thanks. Is yeah. Important. No, I mean I don't interpret based on nothing. I mean I'm, I'm trying to be honest about what I think is going on. You know. All right. So good. This is a good place to start. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Interest rates? I don't know. Really? Right? No. It, give it's, me your give me your give me your shtick. What what are, what are we living through right now? We are living through the end of. And don't use any big words because Mike gets upset. of the Greenspan put. You know, wow. we're at the end of, of- the Greenspan put. Yeah, the Fed put, this sort of underwriting of easy money policy that began in the late 80s. You know, we're when seeing the When they start, 1987, Greenspan cut rates in the middle of the, the day or whatever. Yeah, and the it, next day he came out and just sort of winked and said, we're going to be supportive. And it worked. Yeah. No yeah. press conference back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the they, it was a big deal because they never said anything. Right. You know, and they came out with this kind of cryptic s- statement saying we're supportive, basically, and the market went through the roof. Okay, but so you're saying that doesn't work anymore or we can't really do well, that it, anymore? It, I'm saying we can't – we mean the, the Fed can't really do that anymore because now we've seen inflation again. We've seen inflation and and even if it goes away next month – we're not going to forget about that. You know, this is going to be a major searing experience for Washington for decades. Well, we've got midterm elections coming up. Right. And what's more important than the short term? Is it the stock market or battling inflation? I mean, I- Have fun with that, right? Yeah. I mean, the stock market, I don't know how. I mean, people are miserable no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like they're. it's not going to help their miserable mood. Like the national mood is just- pissed off, you know? But so like the stock market's not going to help. You have a president with a 35% approval rating. I don't even think he's done anything yet for people to disapprove of. Right, right. Uh, this might be the worst setup of all time. It's for, bad. For a president, like going into mid, because you get killed, your party gets killed in the midterms anyway. Yeah. That's almost no matter what. I mean. And now you have like the worst inflation in 40 years. People are getting raises, but they're mad because their cost of living is going up twice as fast. Right. People can get three jobs if they want them, but- this There's, is going to be like a Republican landslide yeah. at the end at the end of this year. Although, yeah, yes. I mean, the the historical political corollary would be 82, though, which was like a miserable time economically. When? 1982. Oh, okay. You know, Reagan came in. I mean, people forget, but in 82, people were like, Reagan Reagan can't run again. You yeah. know, he's like, there was like unemployment really well, you high. and I were four years old, so yeah, what do you remember brutal. from that period? Oh, yeah, man. I, mean, I, I was looking like, for I, a job. I couldn't get a job. Three. Damn, Reagan. Oh, All right. Baseball card, inflation. Let's, let's set this up for people. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. So by the time you listen to this, who knows? It could be a very <laughs> different day. Uh, yesterday, um, Powell, uh, yesterday, Powell made it clear that they're not considering 75 basis points. Yeah. Uh, and the market took off like crazy in the last hour and a half of uh, trading. We had a plus 1,000 point day in the Dow. Yeah. Uh, led by energy and tech. And just everything went up. Today is the polar opposite. We just, we just took a leg lower, by the way. Yeah, four point three. I see. Yeah, yeah. So this is one. Uh, this is turning into one of the worst days of the last, I don't know, ten years. Maybe, maybe it'll be on the top fifty list. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, we're we're still we're back to that twenty twenty scary. Can you remember a rally that was given up this quickly uh, of that magnitude? A thousand up and then a thousand down on the Dow. I know Mike t- hates my talking points. How should I phrase it? Four percent. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. This is a pet peeve of mine with the Dow. No, I, I understand. Cannot. A lot of people get mad at that. All right, NASDAQ down uh, NASDAQ down 5.5% after being up 5% yesterday or something. Like, can you remember the, the I, last time we've seen something like this? I mean, it's got to be It's got to be March 23rd, 2020 when the Fed came out and said, we're printing like crazy. 
right. know, because it because it was a, it was bleak, and then it was like, right. But did the, I, but but was that it? After the Fed said we're we're going to do this plan, it was actually later that week when the fiscal when the government said. So basically, on Monday, the Fed said we're going to print two trillion dollars worth of money, and on Friday, the government said, "By the way, we're going to spend two trillion, and we're going to send it to your bank account." Yeah. Okay. And that's kind of really when it when it went. All right, Mike. What's this? What's this so, first chart? Hang on. S and P's down four percent. We've had. I'm just eyeballing this. We've had about. Forty of those since 1993. So it's it's bad. What's this chart that we're looking at? All right, the chart that we are looking at. Where's my screen? Pardon me. I apologize. Is all right. This is from Bespoke. Thank you guys. We're looking at the daily return after a big positive reaction for the FOMC going back all the way to 1999, and the average is slightly negative. But the only time we saw something worse than what we're seeing today was what what uh, 2011. Yeah. So there's a today's yellow. We're looking at the yellow line. Okay. So there's a bad, bad, bad reaction. <laughs> so to the point of like, how often have we seen this after FOMC specifically? Yeah. Uh, one other time, once. Yeah. So a react like a post Fed, but probably most of these days were not a huge up day after the day the before. Fed. Yeah. No, they were. It's saying this is the I see. This is uh, the day after, after a big positive reaction to the FOMC. So this is the second worst day two. After Correct. a Fed decision is, is the right way Correct. to phrase Correct. this. And we're, we're on course for pr- probably the worst day. Uh, August 2011 was, uh, the, I guess, the debt ceiling fight in Europe. That was Europe. Oh, apart. right. It was right, Europe. Right. So, all right. Um, there's a lot of talk that somebody's got to be blowing up. So sentiment trader, uh, Jason Gepfer, tweeted, there have been two days in the past 25 years, two days, when the S&P 500 futures were down 3% and the 10-year Treasury futures were down 1%. That was October 9th, 2008. Uh People know when that was, and March 2020. And then he said someone is blowing up, and this is forced liquidation. I am sympathetic to that. Yeah. It might be more than one person blowing up, but I don't think that there are fundamental decisions being made. No. That you would buy a stock on uh, Wednesday and sell it down 11% the next day. Yeah. That doesn't strike me as fundamentally driven activity. So I think that's correct. What's the 10-year? It's at 307 now. I mean – all your hedges are not working. Well, that's 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 what's, worse, yeah. right? Like it's worse than the thing you're hedging. Yes, yeah. So you're you're terrified. So look, throw up this chart, guys. This is this is like the longest duration bond. So we're looking at zero coupon bonds, and we're looking at TLT. Both of them are this by far in the worst drawdown that they've ever experienced. Zero coupon bonds are in a forty-one percent drawdown. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. This is a shit show. So hold on. So the PIMCO 25-year zero-coupon US ETF, I don't know how much money is in that, is down 41% from where? From its high in what? It looks like from- Oh, no. This is, dude, this is from the beginning of 2020. No, 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 no. It made, it made a high in, all right, that's true. Uh, it, it has around $360 million in assets in it. But here's the thing. These, in theory, TLT has $20 billion in assets almost. In theory- this should be what spikes when yeah. equities puke. Yeah. And the fact that these are puking, it's almost like one is causing the other. And so Josh is saying like, well, where's the money going? It's going to cash. Well, except that these should be the ones that spike, except if the reason for the panic is interest rate related. Is, is interest rate so risk. So I've yeah. said that not right. only are bonds not buffering the sell-off in stocks, they're causing them. You know yeah. what? Well, you know what? How big, how big a pair of balls you have to have to be like very long the zeros? With with interest rates, yeah, it's the most high duration form of bond, like the most interest rate Correct. sensitive. It's all it's all B- rates. Bonds yeah. go up one percent, and this goes down ninety. 
<laughs> so the thing that's very weird about this environment, and there are many Wait, things- Wait, put up the second one. Is put the, up the second sec- chart. Okay. So we've got the three to seven years, so intermediate term bonds, government bonds, treasuries, Uncle Samuel's are in a 10% drawdown. That's worse than high yield, than junk bonds. Uh, and normally, credit spreads would be blowing to uh, to the moon right now. Yeah. And they're just not. So what the hell is going on? There's actually, but if you look at this, isn't there some precedent to this? Uh, no. 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 I, I mean, what's a- going on, I guess, is that- <laughs> No. Wait, what am I looking at? No. I mean, I mean all the junk bond issuers- have locked in. They have so much money right now. A lot of them are energy companies, that too. Yeah, yeah, right. But look, look at the purple line. Every time there's a dip, the purple line crashes relative to the orange. And I'm talking about junk versus intermediate term bonds. This is weird. This is very, very weird. It's weird to have a seven to 10 year treasury acting worse than the junk bond index. Yeah, that is weird. And these are bonds that people own, regular people own. What are you you saying when you look at this environment that we're in? The stock market's acting like the end of the world, but spreads are not blowing out at all. Is it just a function of how much money has been raised recently? In the debt markets and yeah. everybody's locked in at a low rate. No, I think that's it. And I think, I think, Michael, you nailed it in that, you know, the energy component of high yield is huge. And so- It's probably 30% or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think I've seen even higher. So, right. And especially even some of the edgier stuff. So if you had if you had the, the debt of an energy company right now, you probably, probably okay. feel better than you would feel owning the debt of almost anything else. Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. Okay. Uh, how long can that last though? Don't companies have to start rolling debt at some point? Yeah. But as far as I, as far as I know, and my, my editor, Kate Marino used to work at Debtwire, So she's really like. Shout out to Kate. Yeah. yeah we yeah. have stuff. Oh, too. you know, yeah. She, yeah. She, she, she's like really locked in on credit world. And she says like, but there's like really no like looming maturity wall or anything. Like these guys are sort of fine for yeah. the foreseeable. They've had a couple of years where you could sell anything to anyone yeah. and they did. Yeah. And they took advantage of that. You know what else is in the worst drawdown of the last 10 years? By far, Amazon, Facebook, and Netflix. Oh, yeah. And you expect Facebook and Netflix, especially Netflix, all right, whatever. But like Amazon, Yeah, everyone own, everyone that owns stocks owns Amazon. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it. If you, have a, if you have a retirement portfolio, you 100% like have a lot Amazon. of Amazon and Apple and you're just in these stocks. And Amazon's down almost 40 from its highs. I think Netflix is the worst performing stock in the index, the S&P this year. Uh, last I saw was down 67%. I would, I would believe it. I believe it. All right. So what's your what's your big takeaway from what went on yesterday with the Fed's decision? Because the controversy today is they should have done 75. That's not my <laughs> read of it at all. Uh, I just think they put it off too long. Yeah. And the market almost – like is blowing by them at this point. The market tightened. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I, I think, well, yesterday obviously it was like, you could see it. It was, it was like a, it was like a rocket when, when he said, we're not doing 75 anytime soon. I mean, I think that the, it's kind of wonky, but the productivity numbers this morning, the unit labor cost number there. Same, say more for, for the audience that's not so, fully aware of that. So each, each, I think quarter of the government puts out uh productivity numbers that show basically GDP, you know, uh, GDP basically broken down by hours worked. And is productivity a residual? Because like, how do they calculate it? Kind of it? is. Yeah. It's just like hours worked divided by GDP, basically. And it and showed what? What did we say? It showed productivity went down a ton, which is like I've always kind of been skeptical. Like that's kind of good because it means people are getting paid. Josh more. was slack in this quote. I've been saying. Yeah, my productivity is through the floor. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But but the thing there's a there's a underlying breakout of labor costs in there that basically just shows they're sort of off the chart. And like it's the kind of thing that like anyone trained in like monetary policy is going to say like, "Oh, 
wage cost spiral. We got to drop the hammer. We got to cut this off at the knees right now. And so the combination of like- Bank of England said something about inflation too. What did they say? Bank of England came out and raised hard and and said, we're going to do more. And it kind of made Powell look like a weenie a little bit. Yeah. You know? And so I think it changed the- That's over- the title for the show, Powell's a weenie. <laughs> it, kinda, it kind of um, opened the Overton window, you know, of rate. Of rate hikes. Like, how, how is the Fed funds rate at 75 basis points? The Overton window is like something The realm that, of the possible. Like something like you're like making the, the possible discussion go in a place that prior to like nobody could- Thank you for translating for the audience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was stuff that was considered unthinkable. Now is slightly more thinkable. Right. So, so what the Bank of England did- it, they have kind of been ahead of the the Fed yeah. for a while now on inflation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they were worried about the. Pound. I think Europeans in general are more worried about inflation, or some European countries. Yeah, because I, their grandparents all told them Weimar Germany stories. Right, I, I think. <laughs> right. Okay. And it's old. You know, there's like the demographics there. A lot of people on pensions. They vote. This stuff. This right. This stuff just blows it up. So, yeah. Matt, you spoke about this being like the end of. Easy money, the Fed put. We're finally allowing some runoff up to $95 billion a month. And it's we're on pace for the Fed to shrink their balance sheet by $3 trillion over the next three years. So I was writing yesterday that I think what is over are the V-shaped recoveries. Like, I don't think the market's going to be at a new high in 60 days from now. Yeah, I, it's hard to see that when the Fed removing so much liquidity. Yeah, like yeah. yesterday, weren't you like, oh, wait, this looks V-ish. Yeah. I know it didn't last, yeah. but I would, I would have said the same thing. Yeah. No, I kind of, I'm kind of getting more sympathetic to that view. It's like no. Yesterday I said the V's were over, even though yesterday looked like the beginning of the V. I, right, I wasn't saying that, but I'm coming around to that. It's it's hard for me to picture us. I, I agree with you. It's hard for me to picture us making a new high in the next 60 days. But 60 days might have actually been long. We made a, we made a. I think 60 days was how long it took to make a new high no, after no, no, COVID. No. no, it was 140. 140. Okay. Yeah, but but no, it was fast. Yeah, and then all 2021. Yeah, we yeah. would ha- right. So the worst pullback you had in twenty one was five percent. But so and if it was we're rectified saying, within a week. If one of the rallying cries of the last thirty years was "Don't fight the Fed," yeah, or buy the dip, right, or buy the dip, same thing. But like yeah. now it's in reverse. Like why would you fight it? Right, right. I mean, it's interesting. And so many of the people that came out and bought the dip, you know, originally, like we were talking about GameStop earlier or whatever, you know, like those people, you know, they were trained to buy the dip because it was. I mean, and it was, you know, everyone on the street bought it, and then sort of everyone you know, in, on Main Street started to buy it. Barron's did a piece last weekend that basically called 3% 10-year treasury the line in the sand. Meaning like that's where people's calculus gets very different about yeah. taking risk in the stock market or not. I think that's true. I remember talking in 2011 and then again in 2018 when we got there, a 3%, talking to bond fund managers who were like, I know like, you know, rates are going up, but I told myself if I ever saw 3% 10 year, I'm buying it. Yeah. Okay, here you go. You know, and then, you know, <laughs> nobody seems to be buying it today. That's like, true. If things do get harder from here, and I think they're going to, uh, and we're going to get back into the motion, but just taking a step back, it's okay. We've literally done, fi- the S&P has literally done 15% a year yeah. for 10 years. Did you not think it was going to get harder? Yeah, 27% last the year. The problem though, as always, is that- the lion's share of like new investors who came into the market in that 10-year period all did so two years ago. Yeah. Like that's the problem. We, why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem for them. 
We went through the first eight years of the last 10 years, will millennials ever invest? But you know it's not a problem for them. It's a good thing. Well, I know that, but it doesn't feel that way. Right. Wouldn't feel that way to me, at least. I also think everybody would sign up for a sideways two-year market. Like, all right, given the run we've had, if, if the worst we get is a side year, but, but the thing is, people aren't worried about that. Right. They're worried about down 40%. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, if there's an upside, you know, it seems like a lot of the stupidest things that people have been doing with their money are not in the stock market. Yes, you know I what agree I mean? with that. So maybe you won't we, see those things. You won't see them blow like up. Like a 57% drawdown that we but, saw in 1999 or it's whatever. It's so crazy how quickly like the environment changes. Like stocks were up 8% on stock split announcements. Yeah. And not small stocks. Not long, and not long ago. Like yeah. a year ago. Yeah. Tesla stock split Apple. I think Apple was even more recent. Or, or uh, Alphabet announced the big one. And, and, and Shopify rallied. going up every single day. It was down 70% going into earnings and it felt whatever it's down today. What is yeah, it down yeah, today? Yeah. What, do you, what do you make of the uh, pace of shrinking the balance sheet? So they put a cap, a monthly cap on it, $95 billion max. They're going to allow – they're not selling bonds out yeah. of their portfolio. They're going to allow – up to $95 billion worth of bonds to mature and, not, and not replace them yeah. with new bonds. So that's – I mean it's not that's, big in the context of the size of the Fed's balance sheet. Yeah, what is it? Nine trillion bucks or something? Yeah, but it's like big though. But isn't there a psych- – That's a lot of mo- – I mean that seems like a lot of money to me. There's <laughs> $95 a, billion a month. There's a huge psychological component because yes. even in March 2020 when the Fed said that they were going to start buying bonds, yeah. that was the end of it. And they didn't even really buy that many. Right, right, right. right. No, yeah. it's huge. I mean it's like – it's the government saying – we got your back. money. We got your back. And now yeah. they're not saying that. It matters. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And 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 you know, they've been saying it pretty much continuously since 2008, you know? And now, but it's not even just that they're like changing their policy now. It's that we have seen the beast of inflation, you know, and that's not going away. And they're not gonna behave the same way for a very long time. All right, time. so why do they cut rates? Yeah, they'll be cutting <laughs> right, rates next, next month at this yeah, pace. Yeah. All right, so so they're not as oh they're not as focused on the, the health of the stock market as maybe we thought they used to be. Yeah, I think so. Your I big thing right. was like the, the Fed watches a two hundred moving average. I still think that's true. But you you still think that they're I just don't think it's priority number one. I anymore. think now now it's inflation, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I thought that so long as what you said is right. So long as inflation was a non-event or they were trying to produce inflation and couldn't even do it. Right. So long as that was the environment, I think the stock market was job number one. Yeah. Uh, tied with actual employment data. Yeah. And then when the employment data was going their way for years at a time, it really just became the stock market. But that, And then there was a huge distraction with Trump and then now it's this. And so now the story is investors have no more appetite for subsidizing money losing companies. That game is over. Yeah. But let me ask you guys this question. Like, why? I mean, this is something I've struggled to explain to people and I've tried in different ways. And like, I, I kind of have a sense of what the answer is. But why would super low interest rates make people? It's duration. Right. It's the same exact thing as a zero make coupon people, bond. Wait, make wait, people but what? Why, make people give their money to money losing companies. It's the same exact. If money, if money costs nothing yeah. and you're going to pay me back 10x in 10 years, right. or I can get- Or there's a chance you will. But yeah, then good enough. So basically th- there's no so, uh, better option. I, but I, I think the, the casino aspect to the market pops up in every era yeah. after a really big run. Yeah. And in this case- It was real. gave cash to people who never had any- yeah, and this is what they chose that to too. do. This is what they chose to do with yeah. it. I mean, I, well, I, hate I quoted to say it you that in way. a story in uh, at the Times. I quoted you in a story about you know like the sports gambling. Was I bullish or bearish? 
No, you the, you were you were sage and wise, and you basically course. said, uh, "Oh, the, what, the oh, it was the, like sports betters who were coming to because like remember people forgot that literally gambling shut down. There was no sports. There's no sports yeah. to bet on, yeah. and so in like the spring of 2020, people were like, "I know a game that's open." <laughs> well, so I I was making this point like somebody let's say the Robin Hood app went down. The person wasn't like, oh, let me open the Fidelity app. They're like, oh, let me go on DraftKings. Right. It's like a pastime. Yeah. Not yeah. anymore because it's not fun anymore. Yeah, maybe not. Okay. So these these names were like like they were like alt stocks, right? And they were just like all the fun and all the hype. And it was psychologically like to Josh's point that investors were – but it was also just actual investors subsidizing, like venture investors right. subsidizing losses. And Lyft came out and said that they're investing and Spotify is still investing and – when you're losing hundreds of millions of dollars, like that's cool when money costs nothing and investors are willing, like yeah, we've got yeah. your back. People don't want to hear that anymore. It's over. You mean institutional? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people, let's talk about the decline, the demise of the dollar because <laughs> I get all my news from Bitcoin maxis on Twitter <laughs> and I've been told that the dollar is trash or going to zero or fiat or worthless or whatever. This is a weird one. This is weird. Why is the dollar at a 20-year high? What, what's going on here? Uh, rates. Higher rates. That's um, it? That yeah. simple? Why yeah. didn't everyone foresee that then? Well, Fed told us they were going to start raising rates in uh, December. They yeah. said three rate hikes this year, LOL. Well, uh, <laughs> it's also China, too. You know, like the global economy is slowing down because China's like- COVID lockdowns. Got 50 million people trapped in their houses and, you know, because they don't want anyone out and about. Yeah. Uh, so it's a combination of that. So the China has been weakening its currency. That has an amplifying effect. But yeah. Um, but it's relative rates, right? Because the dollar is a basket relative to other currencies. Right. And you would you would just think that, okay, inflation up, dollar down, but actually no. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because it shows the Fed is going to fight inflation and they think they're going to keep raising. The dollar is always a pair. Yeah. It's not an absolute. It's the dollar versus what? And interesting, a lot of it's the yen. And the yen, you know, they still don't have much inflation. I think yeah. that – no, I'm not a trader. But I've often lying. thought like uh, – I've often thought Japan would be an interesting spot to put some money now because they're still printing money. Yeah. And they show no signs of stopping. And look at Europe. Uh, put up the Jeff Klein, Klein top chart. April saw the strongest European outperformance of U.S. stocks since January 15. Is that just because they went tech. down? Did they go up though? It's no. I think it's all te- it's all relative. It's relative. So it's tech on the performance. It's they don't have Amazon. They don't have Amazon and Netflix. So they didn't get the benefit of all these big tech giants on the way up, and they're not bearing the brunt so of it on the way we've down. We've said it's like really difficult to think how the European stock market could outperform the S&P 500. Yeah. Only on the way down. Here we are. Yeah. No, I'm saying on the way down. It, it, but that was inconceivable that Apple would fall more than their stocks. It's right. The, right. So the way Europe outperforms the US on the way down could only be that our tech giants are, are the leaders. It's the same the trade because yeah, yeah. they have cash flow producing companies. They're cheaper. They have higher dividend yield, higher cash flows. They're lower duration stocks. Dude, resources, yeah. mining is yeah. a huge yeah, part yeah. of their commodities, index Yeah, yeah, commodities, the UK, France. Okay. Um, uh, and one other thing, one other thing, we've, we've been looking at charts like this forever. This one I think comes from, uh, uh, who, who, uh, this is SockGen, I think, uh, looking at the relative valuation of, of European stocks versus US stocks. And it's been a downtrend, you know, this is nothing new. But Let me read this. This is from Reuters, uh, Reuters Jamie, Jamie McGeever. European stocks are the cheapest relative to U.S. stocks since at least the late 1980s. Wow. There's a reason for that, of course. Are they now cheap enough so that gap starts to close or does war 
and gloomier European growth outlook keep them cheap. But isn't Europe heading right into a recession? I mean – And war would be good for the stock market. I mean it's like industrial, you know, CapEx. It's defense stocks. It's – no, it's not a bad. I don't know thing. if it's good for you. I don't know if it's good for European stocks. I mean, I guess it's the energy. It's, it's, it depends on how energy. much on the yeah. energy from the Russians. Yeah. European equities are what is this? Is this book value? Oh, forward P ratio. European stocks are selling at a thirty percent discount on a forward P E ratio to the United States now, and they have not been at this cheap of a evaluation. It's really off the charts. Yeah. Actually, so uh, but again, that's they're just higher. They're higher. They're harder to buy. Uh, given given everything that we've said before, which is if the U.S. stock market's going to crash or if there's going to be a U.S. recession, I just don't understand how Europe avoids. And they have the same inflation problems we have here. Yeah. And maybe worse. Theirs is might be more or- intractable. Yeah. So uh, do you, co- do you cover uh, international stuff as much as maybe – Yeah, I keep an eye on it because okay. I think it's important. I it's- mean I, so I think a lot of this is about China and we haven't been – hearing so much about the Chinese lockdowns, but it's only going to make the inf- – actually, Powell talked about it yesterday. It's only going to make the inflation – That's another thing difficult. that he has no control over whatsoever yeah. that's exacerbating inflation is if you start locking down cities like Shanghai. Just 25 million people. Yeah, and not to mention all the stuff that you need to leave there and go yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have a view? Like how – is is are we over or underestimating the rest of this year in inflation picture? I, would, I mean, I don't. I, I We're don't hold you to it. Too, I don't. So. I don't really know, obviously, but like, um, it's so it's so uncertain. I don't really know because it's the it's the supply chains, right? Like, if if this China thing, I mean, that this China thing that's happening right now is going to burble through for the next few months, keeping things up. But you know, we've seen other stuff like used cars starting to come down a bit. I don't think it's likely, but this would really mess people up if we get supply chain issues in order and inflation doesn't abate. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think- I don't see how that's possible, but- I think the term supply chain isn't even helpful because what we're talking about is like the global economy is in giant disarray. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, it's not just like- Is that bullish? Click, <laughs> it's not just like clicking a few chains, links of a chain back Yeah, oh, like, it's like the supply it's just, chain. Yeah, it's it's screwed up. It's like the system that under underwrote the growth over the last 30 years is broken to a point where we don't know if it's going to make any sense to bring it back. Like- Look at the Times had a great story by Gina Smilek today about um, and Anna Swanson about shipping costs, right? Like if shipping costs are that elevated, all the outsourcing doesn't make sense anymore. Maybe you don't want to ship anymore. Right. right? Maybe so, you want to onshore. Right. The same thing with COVID. The the amount of like dependence, it turned out that we had on all these countries, this is way prior to inflation, just straight up like can we get things or not? Right. I think was was a a big moment, it, like a, a reckoning. Yeah, and people are like, "Wait, why are we building all this stuff overseas?" I mean, thank God it's not like been a bloody event. Although a million Americans are going to have died of this thing, but it's like this is like a World War II level disruption. Yeah. Like, it's not things are not just going to like snap back to the yeah right. You don't. You're probably not going to revisit the way things were. I don't think so. It is interesting to think that like COVID started over two years ago. And now that we're just now starting to feel the ripple effects, but it took like, I don't know, almost two years. Yeah. You did yeah. this, you did this post about uh, economic output in selected sectors by quarter. So I guess you're talking about um, the housing investment versus spending on recreation services. Do you recall writing this or was this uh, one of your ghostwriters? No, it was me. Okay. It was me. Uh, we have this chart right here. The purple line is housing investment, 
which in 20, I guess by the end of 2021 was 701.5 billion. That's an annual inflation adjusted number. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? What is encompassed in housing investment? Home that, Depot. Yeah. No, I mean, it's everything. It's home so re- house remodeling, into it. building houses. Yeah. Okay. Fixing them up. So for context, in 2011, that was under $400 billion. Yeah. So we've just about doubled the amount of money we invest in homes in this country, and that's inflation adjusted. Yeah. It's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. And then the other line is uh, spending on recreation services, which, of course, collapsed in 2020 and has made it about 80% of the way back, $450 billion a year. So, But we're spending almost two times as much on housing than on recreation. Yeah. Uh, what do you th- what do, where do you think these lines look like a year from now? They get closer. Does one yeah, turn I down? Think, I think recreation will go up. Right, that seems to be what everyone's saying: traveling, gambling. Could all these lines fun cross? Stuff. Is that uh, possible? They did. Yeah, they did. I'm, saying, I'm, saying, I'm not saying. Can we see that in 2023, 24? Again, I doubt it. Unless there's a massive housing bust, right? You know, like that's why they were they were that low back then. I think I don't think we're going to see a housing bust because in the same way that the the Fed is not going to forget this inflation, like. People cannot get houses if they if they want them without a huge hassle. And, and you're not going back to a rental apartment. Like you personally. No. I know I'm not, but I'm much further removed from it than a lot of our listeners maybe. Yeah. But like you, you just told us you're a country bumpkin now. Yeah. You're, you're in Westchester. Yeah. You're like you're going to keep investing in your house because what else are you going to do? Right. No, I'm, right now I'm trying to find somebody to like take out a wall. And you and everybody pipes. else. Yeah. The, uh, Duncan can do that shit. We've had him do some like really? handy stuff around here. Yeah. Seems like yeah. You want to go to Westchester tomorrow? I don't need you. Sure. <laughs> you want to knock out a wall? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I need somebody to put on a doorknob. My teenage daughter slammed the door so hard last night. What did you say? The doorknob flew off the door <laughs> and hit the wall. Big, heavy metal doorknob. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Oh, teenage man, I'm, rage is I'm like- I'm dreading it. My daughter's going to turn five in a couple of days and uh, she have, already- you, can, have, you have some time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometime I was talking to I was talking to my wife about it this morning. She was saying little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. So my my kids taking her AP exams this week, oh. and my house is like I'd rather be here. <laughs> I'll tape eight podcasts tonight rather than go home. Oh, I cool. swear to God, it's too much. What, go ahead. What, what, what's what she got? taking? I'm just curious what she's going to take. AP World. She's like me. The subjects she likes like are my history subjects: and English, history, uh, a word person. And math, she's just like bullshitting her way through. I mean, <laughs> cool. you're, not, you're not going to any like school that she wants to go to if you don't have good math. Yeah, yeah. But she hates it. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, there's a lot of doors. <laughs> there's a lot of doors slamming. What's this gross domestic product chart? John, throw this on screen. Uh, Every time I say on screen, I feel like Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's GDP. I think it's just like the good old fashioned American economy. Then. So we're a twenty trillion dollar economy, and seven trillion dollars has been wiped out of the Nasdaq yeah. uh, year to date. Yeah, yeah. I think that's <laughs> does that in, go back into GDP somehow? Uh, what maybe, do we do? Maybe I don't think so. I, I think, think that just is that just is vaporized. I can't remember if, if if I'm getting this backwards, but I feel like Ben and I were saying that the economy could outperform the stock market. This is like back in the in the early stages of of COVID. I might be misremembering that. But I think that the economy can definitely outperform the stock market. Yes, this is a big this is a big hobby horse of mine. It's just like the stock market is not the economy. Like you know, it's they're different things. There's different logic undergirding which do both. You think, of, which do you think drives which now? I don't think they have anything to do with each other. I yes, mean, I they think do. I Stop. think I, I think the I think obviously the economy is driving it because of the inflation. 
you know, okay. the economy is driving the, the okay. market. But I, I do think – I really don't think they have a, a, a ton in common. I mean it's like – this is my, my shtick about this, trying to – the stock market and the economy. It's like trying to assess the health and athleticism of the American public by looking at the NBA. Okay. You know what I mean? They're like – it's that's like – That's actually that's actually very it's funny. It's like the most refined – The best the best businesses in the world yes. are publicly traded. Yes. Well, used to be that way. Well, now you could list anything. Here's, <laughs> right. here's why I think that we could have that that dynamic because you can have a mild contraction in the economy, and if investors are like, "All right, but we're not paying twenty two times earnings for Apple anymore; we're paying 15. Right. That's it. Right. Well, in right. that way, they're disconnected. But I'm a big believer that the wealth effect is driving the bigger the bigger home purchases and is making people feel. More cavalier, but the wealth effect of about stocks? what size SUV they because people are borrowing against yeah, their the wealth. But is that their the house or the stocks? Because housing is both. Housing is a much bigger. People borrow against their portfolios a lot. Really, like people with more money. than you more than you think. Wow, this is like it's you know, a very must. old thing that's come back around in the last ten years. Well, that'd be interesting because you don't usually want to use the kind of volatile oh. collateral. But that's what wealthy people do. So must be nice. So Wall Street sells that as a product. Yeah, they they say. You have to uh, unlock the value of your portfolio. Apparently, that doesn't just mean make the portfolio going up. Um, and then the other thing they say is that you have to take advantage of both sides of your balance sheet. This, so they make money. Yeah. So if you're a wealth manager at a large – I won't name any names yeah. so that we don't get any emails. At a large Wall Street uh, brokerage firm, they're highly incentivizing their financial advisors to convince the boomers – to borrow against their portfolio. Right, right. Now, history's on their side. Most people are not even living off the money in their portfolio. It's crazy, but they've saved so much money and the stock market's gone yeah, up so much they don't even need and it. And they're not like wow. levering, they're not like going all in. No, right. no, 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 no. You get a certain borrow rate yeah. against treasuries. You get a little bit less that you could borrow against stocks, but they are doing it. And so it's not like these are like dividend collecting the, people. No, you could no, they are. They're normal people who are just being shown away to borrow money without an underwriting process. And you can use the dividends to pay down the loan. Right. I see, I see. So th it's not a margin loan. You can't buy more securities with it. Yeah. They okay. will send you a check or a wire for a quarter million against a $2 million stock portfolio. That same quarter million 15 years ago, like you would have gone to a bank and borrowed it. Now they're just like, sign the paperwork. Don't take the money out until you need it, but know that it's there and ready. And once you have that established, you're on vacation. You're in Cape May. Yeah. You see a, a a vacation home. I I think we should do this. Let's call our broker. Not let's call the bank. Let's That's call really our financial advisor. And the financial advisor will then get another revenue stream on that money that they're lending. I think the Times did a big story about this, like yeah, co contributing this to more to more wealth inequality. Is that, yeah. Because they're not selling stocks and they're not selling their stocks and paying taxes on the gains. That's right. They're just borrowing. Right, right. It's a yeah. way of like sort of manufacturing yeah. income. Yeah. The only thing they can't do is buy more securities. Yeah. But they could buy a boat. They could buy a house. They could pay for a wedding. So it's having your cake and eating it too. I never have to sell my stocks and bonds. Yeah. The Fed is making it that way. And I could borrow very cheaply against them. And I don't have to go through all this paperwork and this whole process. Now, what happens if your portfolio tanks? Oh, well, we're going to find out tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> no, then you just, you just, you know, you sell. But it's some, not like some, a margin loan. Yeah, you, you, sell, you, sell a more, you sell a little more so, arc, so you'll be fine. It's kind of not, like Apple's still hanging in there. Apple's only 40% off its highs. It's still a $2.5 trillion uh, market cap. I feel like Apple is like the tenure in terms of everything trades off yeah. of it. Or the Fed funds rate, I guess I should say. Yeah, everything I trades off of it. I, I, it'd be interesting to see because I, I haven't looked at Apple bonds 
uh, but like I know Microsoft bonds trade inside treasuries. You know, they're actually lower yields. I have more faith in Microsoft than I have in Congress. That makes perfect sense to me. Oh God, I I might. I have more faith in Tim Cook than I have in Joe Biden. It would make perfect sense for me to buy an Apple bond with a with a a, a lower coupon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know about the, like the faith or whatever, but like. Gotta it's an faith. easy. It's an, <laughs> George Michael. I agree. A wise man named George Michael. We, we were talking about like uh, consumer spending and housing and recreation and stuff. Throw up this chart about concerts. So it's another thing like where we have the full reopening. People are going back to living their lives. When does spending turn south? Like this is if we do get a. Then we're looking at a chart of sales of concert tickets. I don't know. Is wait? Is the blue actually, line estimated or actual? No, that's fourth quarter. So hold on. Let's so fourth quarter 2021, 173.3 million concert tickets sold. Like by far an all time high. It was zero. So first I was quarter I was, of 2020. I was did these concerts occur though? Like are they, like did they actually that's happen? A good, that's a, that's it's a all like, hoodie and the blowfish. I was, jo- <laughs> I was joking with Ben. Like, can we see a recession where consumer spending goes up? And obviously the answer is no. But is it? Yeah. No, we just had one. Well, 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 fine. In, no, in a real, COVID. no, not a COVID recession. A, a normal recession. We have a recession where unemployment stays under 5% because I think we're about to. Yeah, Cause, right? Because unemployment doesn't factor into recession calculation. It's not to do it at all. Yeah. Well, also, really the way that they calculate it is just like a general slowdown of economic activity, whatever that means. It's well, two, there's two weird orders things. of contraction. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is, the, technically. But it's like weird because that last negative GDP print we had was like largely driven by the surge of imports, which is actually good. It goes to you, what you're saying about people buying a bunch of stuff that we had to get from yes. abroad. Yes. So it's a weird, GDP is a weird thing. G, is GDP the economy? I don't know. It's really not. No. It's the best we have. Right. It's, 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 it's so outdated, but what else are you no, going to use? No, maybe the economy is just the friends we made along the way. I think that's right. <laughs> that was book. a Hootie and the Blowfish line, wasn't it? I think it might have been. Yeah. Uh, you write about a lot about Wall Street. You think that what happened with uh, Bill Wang and Archegos has more meaning than just that specific case. And I read another article someone else wrote basically saying the same thing, that that is a wake-up call that these people that are now – looking at this stuff, really want to jail somebody. Yeah. And the market rigging stuff is going to be taken very seriously now. So t- tell this is you. If you're trying to understand how Wall Street works, never let an epic screw-up go to waste. When something goes wrong, and even better, criminal indictments arrive, that's when you see how things actually work. Is that your that's your quote? That's me, yeah. Okay. So what are you what are you what are you saying here? I think we saw that the banks have a lot of exposure to somebody like no one had heard of Ar- Archegos. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, even uh, I was talking to a guy who was pretty well connected on the desk and he was like, after this, after the bust happened and he's like, yeah, I only just heard of these guys like a month ago. Yeah. And that like snuck up and it, it was not insignificant losses. You know, it's a family office. It's his own money. There's no client facing. There's no. Yeah. Right. And, and it's all derivatives. You know yeah. what I mean? There's like all this stuff is very, very in the dark. Um, like, you know, what if this happened with a real big fund? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there would be banks that would be really hurt by that. So his lawyers were negotiating with prosecutors like two days before they scooped him up. Yeah. And I guess the the gist of what I read was like, expect more of this. We're not going to do this thing where your lawyers get to uh, take us out to lunch for two years and and figure out a way to not jail somebody. Like, people are going to be jailed. 
You think you think that's going to be the case too? I don't know. I mean, I'm not a I'm not an expert on how these these indictments and prosecutions go, but it seems to me like some of the stuff. I mean, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, some of the stuff in the in the indictment seemed a bit thin. Like, I okay. mean, unless they have a lot more. You know, well, it was like he bought aggressively in the last half hour of the day. It's like, well, that's kind of when people buy, you know, and when people trade. Like there was a lot of stuff that didn't seem particularly it's, damning. It's, well, that's the manipulation part. Yeah. Is he trying to make it appear as though there's more demand for the stock than right. there really is, which brings in other buyers? Right, right. That's that's the question. But what, you can't buy shares at the end of the day if you have a you better view? not. <laughs> no, one's, no one's doing that today, thank God. <laughs> we don't have that problem today. Uh, what the, what the hell is with, I, I mean, I don't know what you could say here. What the hell is with Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank? Are they in some sort of a competition to be embroiled <laughs> in like, like, like a league table? Who has the most scandals in a year? It's not great. It's not. Is it because they're foreign and the people they have representing them here are like not afraid? <laughs> what What is really going on? I don't know, man. I, I'm not an expert on the European banks, but. It does not keep it seem that like they are well-run institutions. Yeah, I would, I would keep it that way. Uh, all right, what are we doing the last good quarter of earnings? Uh, who Whose note was this? Uh, well, it doesn't matter who the note was, but they were just – maybe this is Bank of America. Uh, earnings are still coming in okay. Yeah. It was the guidance that was destroying a lot of places. So Apple, for example, which is the consumer, right, just had their best – Heart HeartNet at B of A. You're Apple right. had their best March quarter ever. Yeah. And so the problem is you don't get credit for what you just did, right? And the guidance at a lot of places that for not Apple has been really pretty bad. Yeah. But the revisions have been too bad. I mean, like it's – it's um, there's still – I think the for, last forecast I saw was about a 10% increase out tw- uh, full year. You know, it uh, doesn't seem too bad. It seems mostly the valuations. I wrote a thing about this a couple of days ago. I mean it's, yeah, the, yeah. it's the valuations and that's all interest rates. It's just like an upside down. I investor shot. psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Hartnett saying stocks always lead the news. So with stocks trading terribly since last fall, they were warning of bad news to come. Is that too easy to just turn around and say that? Uh, first were the high multiple stocks getting kicked around November and December as they sniffed out the Fed's aggressive pivot on policy in January. Now they're figuring out that first quarter may be the last good quarter of earnings as higher costs and increased recession risks weigh on future growth. I actually think that's true. The recession might be premature. But certainly higher – I mean, obviously. We keep talking about this. We haven't seen this in the data. We haven't seen inflation change people's spending behavior yet. Yeah. It has to, no? Well, I mean, like in theory, like if inflation is just going, people spend more to keep up with it, right? Like you you have an incentive yeah. to spend yeah, when, yeah. when inflation – that's why in Weimar, Germany, right? Like people would just like get their pay at lunchtime, run around with a wheelbarrow and buy a loaf of bread. You know, because they knew by dinner time it would only buy half a loaf of bread. Yeah, nominal terms, they had really fast economic growth. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you have you gotta you gotta spend money when in an inflationary environment. But I think I think this is an interesting point. Like to your point, Josh, about whether this hits people's spending. I mean, that's when the margin compression story comes in. Like if people stop spending a little bit because their stock portfolio is down and maybe they don't upgrade their And that bathroom. we're not seeing yet. So, well, two things yeah, on not that. Yet, yeah. Two things on that. What's your take on this? We haven't seen that yet. Um, because I still think we're coasting on the fumes of all the stimulus and people are just like, they've had, they've, they're okay. But the second thing, where do the earnings in the S and P come from? Cause if you tell me like cloud computing, uh, 
Is there going to be margin compression at AWS? No. If so, why? Right, right. Server costs? <laughs> like, it's right. not well. Right. Although maybe getting those servers, getting the chips, getting all that stuff. But let's assume they've been able to do so so far, so yeah. it probably doesn't get worse. Right. So you might not see the same level of margin compression that you have historically seen as a result of inflation like this. The stocks still get killed. Well, they're killing them anyway. All right. This is what uh, Hartnett's quote, paying less attention to the relative strength of the U.S. consumer and more attention to U.S. corporates given the potential feedback loop. One, lower share price. Two, then budgets get reassessed. Three, then there's layoffs. Four, consumer slowdown. Five, earnings per share slowdown. Yeah. And then six, you know – However, you think that ends? One probably one thing World that, War Three, or <laughs> one. I hope not. One one question I had is like, so if you're kind of trying to sink the economy into a soft recession or growth slowdown or whatever, how does that stimulate supply? You know what I mean? Like it do, that's the problem, it right? Like it just takes the pressure off. Supply. What if they can't get inflated? What if you? What if we're already in a stagflation that we can't but get just out? Trying, of? It sounds like they're just trying to uh, cool demand. Right. Which tough, doesn't doesn't tough to do doesn't fix supply. It's not that it tough to do. Balances the equation a little it's, bit. It just takes a long time. You're, they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no question. There's no question but without that, sinking us into a recession. I mean, that's tough. That's no, tough. that's the needle that they probably can't yeah. thread. But if everyone gets the vacation out of their system this year, which it appears <laughs> that they're all doing, right? <laughs> yeah, like that vacation that you've been putting off for two years. Pay any price for it. Go do it. Okay, fine. They'll do that. Mortgage rates. At a thirty-year high, or, or, or at a how how many? When was the last time we were above five percent on a thirty-year mortgage? I think it's two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, fourteen-year high. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Okay. Mortgage rates at that level will one hundred percent put a ceiling on home prices and cool demand off. Yeah, it takes a while, but yeah. Well, that's a big part of the supply crunch. Can't get lumber. Can't get labor. Can't get this. Can't get that. Right. So you can do it. The thing is, but that can't the, do it in a month. Well, that's the demand. So, like, what about the guy who runs the lumber mill? Right, like he sees well, he sees he sees a we're not worried about him. <laughs> he sees a recession coming. Yes. So is he going to produce more? You know, like I mean, like that's the thing we're in this, this weird loop where like we need to get supplies up, and people say, oh well, we'll just like cool demand, and then supply will catch up. But like if I'm a producer, why would I produce more if I see a recession coming? You you wouldn't. So you're saying that that actually could have the perverse effect of crimping supply further. Yeah. Right. Maybe I don't know. Another but that weird, seems logical to me. Point, Another weird of. dynamic that we saw in the market last week, which is now reversing, was dividend stocks finally getting killed. Yeah, they had been holding up really, really well as investors were looking for a safe space. But now with the ten year at three percent, people safe. are like, "Well, I'm not having on a dividend paying stocks. I'm gonna actually buy the ten year." Right? Like bonds were making those things relatively less attractive. And then today, on the heels of a disgusting thousand point Dow day or whatever, we're down. Uh, these things are getting a bit, or at least they're down less. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think in a, in a world of bad, less bad is good, right? So, But, but not it, just for the dividend. Think about what those stocks tend to be. Like you would be a buyer of a company that's a real estate investment trust for hospitals if you're looking for some version of safety or a utility stock, right? Like I, I feel like it's part of it is, oh, those dividends are now more attractive after this has come down this much. But part of it is these are defensive stocks. Yeah, yeah, both, both yeah. for sure. I own some REITs that were yielding 4%. Oh, yielding three percent. They're not yielding four percent. Like three weeks later, this is this is what. Like, yeah, this is a face blower right here. The Russell one thousand <laughs> value index. You is, know what really blows Mike's face? The Russell oh. one thousand value index. <laughs> yeah, is down. Is in is in only a seven percent drawdown. 
That's it. Versus growth? What's No, you know just what's... relative to itself. It's oh, wow. 7% below its size. The Russell 2000 growth, for example, so now we're comparing large value to small growth. The Russell 2000 growth is down 33% from its size. Yeah. That's unbelievable. When, so that are, when do they do the like, rebalance? The spring, right? It's Russell now? 1000 value doesn't – does that rebalance or reconstitution? No, Russell 2000 reconstitution. I don't know. I think I think they do it in the summer. Either way, just just wild. So, uh, yeah, to the, like the value stocks, the dividend stocks, you know, I guess their cousins have been underperforming for a decade. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, do you cover crypto at all? Uh, I know you have no choice. A, a little have, bit, I have to. It's been it's been driving me nuts. You're lately. not into it at all. Like, it's, not, like, it's not I, interesting to you. It, it's interesting, but I find I find a lot of it offensive. To yeah. be honest, like, what aspect? Of, me too. But but maybe we don't agree on which aspect is. I most don't know. Offensive. Like I was, I was like had this old man moment in our Slack channel. A colleague of mine was talking about that. There was this like, and I'm going to sound like a total grandpa. There was this like. Land sale recently. Yeah, the Bored Apes, the board apes yeah. Metaverse, real estate. Yeah. And he was talking to me. He's yeah. like, it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. They're going to raise a lot of money. And I just kind of. And they will. It, I think it was they upward did. of 300 million bucks. And I'm like, I'm like, let me get this straight. This is this is imaginary land. That's what we're talking what about. The, imaginary. The, the, the deeds to, yeah. to yeah. And, imaginary uh, land. You know, 300 million. There's like great inflation hedge, though, because (laughs) you you can't, even if you wanted to sell it at a loss, you can't like find the code to type it in and make the sale. There's like people starving, you know, and these guys are spending $300 million on imaginary land, you know. That's not imaginary, it's digital. All right, but let's talk about what Fidelity, what's going on with Fidelity. (laughs) So, Ali, so. Did you know Michael was a big NBA Top Shots guy? Yeah, oh, we haven't talked about that. Son of a gun. We haven't. Was that imaginary? Was that in your imagination, or did you really do that? No, I did that for real. So uh, we spoke last week about Fidelity opening their four hundred one k lineup to Bitcoin. Not yet; they're in the process of doing it. And Ali Kawar, who is the acting assistant secretary of the Employee Benefits Security Administration, said, "Quote." We have grave concerns with what Fidelity has done. <laughs> Does this seem a little bit overblown? We have grave concerns. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you're giving them a tax benefit, you know, the government has a big role in role in this. You're giving these people a tax benefit. Who? Oh, okay. In 401ks, right, right. right? Like that's a created by the U.S. government in terms of the tax code. But where are the grave concerns? Oh, no, no. Here are the grave concerns. It's down how much? It's new and untested and hasn't even existed. And most people – don't even know what to do with stock and bond funds. This is like a level of complexity that you're adding to their choice list of choices. And the labor department's job is not to be the arbiter of what's a good or a bad investment. Their job is to protect ordinary, regular people from f-ing up their retirement. So if you're putting an asset class in front of their face that's got a volatility level that's four or five X the stock market. They should have grave concerns. It doesn't mean they're right, but yeah. why wouldn't they be concerned? You know what I have what grave- if I put f-ing lottery tickets on, on a 401k menu? Would that be okay? You know what I have grave concerns with? Uh, S&P 500 index funds that charge uh, 2% in 401k plans. I have grave concerns with Okay, that. there are not that many of yeah, those. There are. I know there's, they there's exist. A lot. There's but- a lot. Uh, uh, so, so hold on. No. I'm not hold on. What are your grave concerns about this gentleman's grave concerns? I'm genuinely curious. Grave concerns? It just seems ridiculous. You don't like the choice of language. Elizabeth Warren and Tina Smith sent a letter to Fidelity. Investing in cryptocurrencies is a risky and speculative gamble. And we are concerned that Fidelity would take these risks with millions of Americans' retirement savings. I don't understand why- Do you know who pays for these people's retirements if they blow their 401k up? You do. I do. The taxpayer does. So do we want to have more people gambling or less? Who said they're gambling inside of their 401k? You oh, think they're no. gonna, 
You You're, think people are going to be trading Bitcoin inside of their 401k? Well, no. What are, what, are they, what are they offering? Like a fund, like a Bitcoin fund or Just something? Ex- I don't know. It's exposure. By the way, Bitcoin. I'm not even against it. Yeah. I'm, I'm for the airing of concerns. I'm not even against I am, it. Yeah. I, okay with it. I am against the politicians deciding like what is what can and can't be inside of your retirement plan. Just generally speaking. I don't know enough about like the actual like ERISA, you know, the law that created and, these things to know whether but I, but it's some of it, you know, these these products were engineered by the US government through ERISA, the tax code. ERISA and the Labor Department are extremely extremely serious about this because they see themselves as being the guardians who are stepping in, where whereas this country used to be a defined benefit. Yeah. So everyone that had a job at a big company, the big company was responsible for a pension for those. That's all over now. So all you have now that replace it as a 401k, which I think is great, but one of the drawbacks to this is you're putting very inexperienced, uneducated people in charge of a huge amount of money for them. And it's irreplaceable. You will never get back 20 years worth of earnings. Yeah. You think people will behave more irresponsibly with Bitcoin than they no, will? No, you're missing my point. I don't. I think irresponsible people will be irresponsible. It almost doesn't so matter. What's your point? My point is this is an asset class that's so volatile and so prone to misinformation spreading on social media and so easily manipulated that – it doesn't matter whether people are more or less responsible. It's more risk, period, no matter what they do. And it doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to do it, but it's definitely it's worth thinking sudden. about. Yeah, it's a worth thinking about. Okay, so I agree that the 401k is a sacred investment vehicle, but you could roll your 401k into an IRA and blow yourself up to oblivion well, with, 100%. with uh, double levered negative exposure true. to, right. to the price true. of oil. Right. But you can't But you can't have Bitcoin in your 401k. Give me a f-ing break. We all, we, we all agree that at, at the, in the end, it's it's the responsibility of the, the, the person. I just don't, like, what are they protecting people from? We have grave no, concerns. There's a, yeah, there's we, a like- We know, have grave concerns. Right, so what fidelity has done. But so why same. have seatbelts? Just drive safely. Like at a certain point, we have to decide that it's cheaper to prevent people wiping themselves out than it is but to But who, who says they're going to wipe themselves out some if they put com- 10% of the portfolio in Bitcoin? Well, some, but that's like maybe a wise thing to do. But it's like, it's like gambling, right? Legalized gambling. Like yeah, there's not some, everybody's going to kill There's some percentage of the population that is going to have a problem, right? And it's like, that's just human nature. And what is the cost to and clean so, it up versus what is the cost so to So it's like, it? yeah, it's worth it. I'm not saying I'm totally, totally against having some exposure or the ability to trade it, but- Seems worth thinking about. Like, how what many, are we doing how many, here? How many people do we think will say, you know what? I'll have five percent of my portfolio in Bitcoin. What percent of four hundred one k participants? I'm making this up. Fifteen percent. I have zero idea. We'll, we'll say, zero I, idea. We'll say. I, Here's what you're not what, thinking about. What am I not thinking about? You're not thinking about when Bitcoin goes to a hundred thousand, which Michael Saylor assures me will happen. Do you really think that only one percent of people are putting five percent of their money into it? Okay, fine. So or do you more. think ten million people? are going to put half of their money they into can't. it. They can't. It's capped. That it's capped. day. Fidelity caps it at 20%. Okay, so then that's grave grave concern number one alleviated. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. that's why we have to have the conversation. It doesn't right. mean it's don't not, do it. Yeah. It means tell it's us. It's more of the tonal. You don't like the tone Tell us what you're doing concern. to make sure that people don't take a risk that's 5x the, the stock market, that which the is already very risky. That the taxpayers have to come in and bail them out from. I, I think it's reasonable. Uh, I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm just sick of the – sorry, I'm just sick of the, the – the Duncan, did you know he was like a libertarian deep down? I never thought of him. I'm, not. Sh- I'm totally not. I think we should add a "Don't Tread on Me" shirt to the shop. Just turning into uh, <laughs> Joe Rogan for investment. No, you know what? It's just uh, I'm going to leave it there. 
Keep oh, your yeah, damn yeah. hands off his Bitcoin. By the way, the fact that Elizabeth Warren is at the forefront of this actually makes me feel like this is maybe, you know, as much for it's just political and like, political. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. I don't I, I, I don't have a problem with what you're saying. I just feel like there's probably a middle ground. It's probably not. The yes middle ground no has been addressed. It's capped. It's capped. 25 percent. 20. Can you imagine how rich you would be if you had 25 percent in your uh, Bitcoin uh, of your portfolio in Bitcoin five years ago, your 401k? Like relative to all of the I just don't like this. No, no, no. We have to protect investors from this specific thing. Don't worry about all the other junk that have blown up billions of investor dollars. TVIX and all the rest of those. Like, don't worry about those. Those are fine because it's in your taxable account. But this piece right here is sacred. I think the Bitcoin people have a problem in the way they're making political contributions. There's way, there's not enough going toward the Democrats yet. You they, haven't, they haven't cracked the code. No, they're putting. I just, I'm just writing. I've got something that I've been reporting this week on that. They're sent Sam Bankman Fried. You should break it right here. He's he's sending a lot of lot of money to Democrats. I mean, it's low because he's, he's smarter than most of them. He's he, one of the smartest guys what, I've ever I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, I think so. That's what people say. I don't quite understand what he's doing. I mean, he's like uh, I, I only podcast know him. but yeah. I found myself nodding my head when he's talking. And I almost never do that with crypto people. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I mean, he's spending a lot of money weirdly in safe Democratic district primaries. I don't know what they, he's got. These it's groups. not weird. It's it's optics. It's publicity. And he's zigging while everyone everyone else can't wait to give money to libertarians in the crypto space. Yeah. So it's smart that he's going the other way. I mean, I, I guess it reflects his politics, but it seems like. No, it doesn't. It reflects the the wisdom that he has that you have to buy both well, his, sides of the aisle. But his no, but his mom. I mean, his mom was a Democratic funder. You know, it's like I mean, maybe he doesn't have the same politics as his mom, but I assume. I think somebody's got to buy Elizabeth Warren in this space and and make make her recognize the uh, income inequality solution that is uh, Ethereum. Bitcoin versus inequality. Haven't oh, you God. heard? <laughs> All right, last thing before we go to favorites. Elon was serious. He's got like financing plans being announced so. every hour of the day at this point. <laughs> what what sort of spell has he cast on his fellow Valleyites? Let me set this. Let me set. No, let no, me no. set this no, up. No, though. no, no, no. All right, ben, no. Ben Horowitz tweeted this. Okay. While Twitter has a great promise as a public square, it suffers from so Ben so Andreessen Horowitz is yeah. investing. It suffers from a myriad of difficult issues ranging from bots to abuse to censorship. I think we all would, we all would agree with that. Being a public company solely relying on advertising business model exacerbates all of these. Agreed. Okay. Then he goes on to say, and I want to ask your guys' opinion on this. Elon is the one person we know, <laughs> and perhaps the only person in the world who has the courage, brilliance, and skills to fix all of these and build the public square that we all hope for and deserve. He That's alone can say Really? That's a true statement. What do you mean? <laughs> you might not like what he does with it, but he is the only person Who's with the courage. What are the other? The what only are the other person in the world who has brilliance. the courage, brilliance, and skills. No, so, all right, probably not skills. There are probably other people who have the skills to fix Twitter. The courage part is underrated. Also, the money. Well, that's a good point too. But but Andreessen Horowitz has a lot of money too. You need courage because you're going to piss off everybody. He definitely has no matter space. what you do. And I think not He's only fearless. is he not afraid. Yes, I think he. I think he revels. Yeah, loves in it. the in the uproar. Yeah, and yeah. there are very few billionaires. Yeah. That want that kind of smoke right. coming at them. Right. All right. Tesla's chief executive has received letters committing $7.14 billion from a group of 19 investors. The biggest contribution comes from Prince Awalid bin Talal. I knew they were going to get liberal. Uh, <laughs> who agreed to retain a stake in Twitter valued at $1.9 billion. Uh, Andreessen Horowitz. There's like five other people. Larry Ellison. Will you leave Twitter forever when this deal closes? 
<laughs> and move to Canada. I'm moving to, my, I'm moving to MySpace. Oh this, man, I'm I'm much happier. The the you don't tweet. Not very much. Me I mean, I try to. It just drives me insane. It just drives me insane. What's your life is better without it? But no, I won't leave it. I have to be. It's a part of my. You know job. why you I have, have to be, be on it? I don't know. I don't know where where the hell you were all week. We were emailing you with no response. <laughs> I sent Michael to your DMs today. I don't know. So <laughs> sorry. So I'm, I wouldn't say oh, Twitter man. has no value. Yeah, no, I don't no, know no. where you were. All right, <laughs> sorry, we, dude. We found you, but we found you on Twitter, so that's good. I was just gonna show up. <laughs> all right. Uh, so he was serious, though. Yeah, it's remarkable. He's a remarkable, remarkable is character. Gonna, is this gonna close at fifty four twenty? This is gonna happen. I don't know where what was it was trading 49. at forty nine. I don't know. In a tape like this, that means the market really thinks it's going to happen. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, I what guess What if Tesla so. goes to $700? But it's just the whole thing is so weird. It's like, this is a public utility. Therefore, only the world's richest man can be in yes. charge of it. Like, it makes no sense. It's uh, totally counterintuitive. Why are reporters so obsessed with Twitter in general? Like, a lot of your colleagues. We're needy. Like a, We're very needy It's people. oxygen, right? Yeah, I don't know. The Times just said the thing where they kind of warned everyone to stay off it a little bit because it's nothing but trouble for it yeah it's such a mess although what's her name at the times that's like a big uh who she's great she covers social media oh taylor lorenz she left the times she oh she left she left the times i do not no she's awesome she's she's amazing i think she went to the washington post okay but she's amazing she's amazing right okay so but i've always said like twitter is the stock market for journalists because it's a take it's like what takes are hot yeah what takes are cold Who's clicking on what? That's important if you're covering yeah. anything, Will. You need to know what's being talked about. Yeah. How do you know what's cover? Yeah. No, I mean, well, we did it before Twitter. We, there were newspaper stories written before Twitter. I, I don't know why. It's like we're sitting in our desk. You know what I mean? Like yeah. probably shouldn't be as but much. you like, guys never ha- – you have – so you all have Chartbeat. Yeah. We have Chartbeat. Well, we don't have it, but – I think people have it. But yeah. reporters yeah. have it. Washington Post has it. Yeah. So they know whose articles are being read and oh, yeah. where the traffic is oh, coming yeah, yeah, yeah. from. And it's on a big screen. That's like the front page. That's the front page. You know. Yeah. So, but on Twitter, you know how everybody's stuff what is What did journalists do before Twitter? Talk to people. Shoe went leather, out and walked. Shoe leather reporting. <laughs> Jimmy Breslin never went on Twitter, right? Jimmy think. Breslin knocked on doors with a cigar hanging I out took, his mouth. I took my kids on their first flight and they were on the iPad literally for the entire time. Mm. What did we do? On flights. I didn't go on many cried. flights as a kid, but what did, the seat what did in front of me? Seat, cried, ate. Still doing that. Still doing all three of those <laughs> you things. You still cry? Uh, I still cry sometimes, depending depending on how I did. I did car, car trips like DC and Boston, and we just looked out the window and played Etch-A-Sketch. We had a, we had a tape player. Like, we didn't even have, like, a tape player in the car. We would bring, like, a cassette player. <laughs> and you, like, listen to books? <laughs> yeah, we'd listen to, like, books. the Jungle Book. Jurassic or, like, plug-in headphones. Yeah, Disney. Plug-in headphones. No, it was just, like, hitting the button and we'd all just, oh, like, no listen. Way. Yeah. Like, what did you listen to? Yeah, like Disney stuff, you know, tapes. We would just, now these kids are wa- now these kids are watching every they have every Disney movie ever crazy. made at their fingertips. It's crazy. Uh and they're and they're still not happy. All right, let's do uh let's let's do favorites. Uh I'm gonna go last this time. Michael's gonna go first. Okay. So my wife gets up out of bed at five forty five every morning. That's to, my favorite thing. To go too. to school. And she's a teacher? She's a guidance counselor. Oh, cool. And uh, so I wake up when she gets out of bed and I like, you know, I go on Twitter and scroll for 75 minutes. He reads Axios. And so recently I said, you know what? I got an hour. I got an hour in bed uh, and I'm going to start watching TV. I don't like where this is going, Duncan. (laughs) So anyway, anyway, anyway. So this week I started watching Barry. Uh, Oh, yeah. I love it because 
It's 30 minute episodes, which I, which is the best. I can watch anything for 30 minutes yeah. and it happens to be, uh, to be excellent. I never watched a single episode. Excellent. You'll yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah. Strong good. recommend. Yeah, he's really the, good. He's the director, writer, producer. It's Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live. So he's a hitman, and it's uh, he wants to be like a he wants to be an actor, like yeah, a Shakespearean actor. And uh, it's is he, fu- he funny? The Fonz is in it. It's yeah, dark. Henry, Henry Winkler is as Henry this kind Winkler. of like washed up acting. It's teacher. dark and it's laugh out loud so funny. funny. Really, it's laugh out loud funny. Really good. Kind of like funny Russian mob characters are yeah. really good. How many Hank seasons have there been? So the the third season is on now, but it's th- it's thirty minute episodes. So an eight episode series, it's, it's a movie. It's two and a half hours. Huh. It's very good. It's good. That is a good use of time. If you're up anyway, what are you? I, I, I said, why am I scrolling Twitter? I'm just throwing a TV show. Watch uh, like, it makes you Bloomberg at six in the morning yeah. to see how uh, the Hang Seng did. So I bang out two episodes a morning, and okay. in a week I'll be caught up. All right, Matt, what do you what do you do when you're not uh, writing about interest rates and the housing market? What are your favorites? The, this is not this is not the coolest app. God, Disney cassettes. <laughs> All I'm, a, I'm a gardener, man. Okay, go on. I'm gardening. So is Michael, and I'm trying to be. Really? Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Michael yeah, does dude, a little no, bit. No, you don't know when, when you first start. But yeah, no, man, I got peonies are coming up, dude. I've got- uh, Peonies? Yeah. Flowers? Yep, flowers okay. mostly. Okay. Daffodils, like crazy big- Oh, time. I'm a farmer. I I, I do uh, I do vegetables. Oh, yeah, really? You're cool. A, you're a florist, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep yeah. it real. I've got, a, I've got, I'm doing some, I'm doing some corn. I'm doing a three- Corn? A three oh, sisters. Land. A little bit. Yeah. Some Westchester. Three yeah. sisters it's garden. different than Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like corn, beans, and squash, the stuff you had to learn about in school. I'm doing one of those gardens with my dog. How's it going? It's in my garage at the moment. Like, yeah, their seedlings not, are growing. It's I haven't not gotten it warm out. enough yet. Yeah. Okay. And you're, what are you doing? So, this you year? garden. Yeah, like, man. Yeah, huh. yeah, that's good for your. We have Tony Isol is a huge gardener. He loves it. Oh, really? Yeah. It's oh. good for the soul. It's so um, good for you. I do uh, uh, cucumbers, peppers. Oh, nice. Lettuce, tomatoes. Raised beds or basil. lettuce? What kind of lettuce? Uh, arugula. <laughs> Who's laughing? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why is that funny? You're just talking about what kinds of lettuce. I do arugula. Well, no, oh, yeah. I don't, I'll I'll do, that's fast. That's I don't think somebody growing their own lettuce. I'll do a spring mix. No, arugula is great. Wait, yeah, man, spring delicious. Mix, does it grow in the bag? <laughs> the bags grow on trees. You pluck them. All right, I don't know what I'm doing gardening at all. Well, what but are you trying to do, man? I'm doing two types basil. of tomatoes and basil. basil. Oh, what, nice. what type of tomatoes you can't do? F- up basil. Beef steak? Cherry? No, no. Roma in two pots. They're like the plum. Yeah, like it's like the, the, the oval. oval. Oh, that's yeah. like an egg. Yeah. And cherry tomatoes in two other pots. And then basil surrounding them. That's do, you have to, do, you have to, do you have to hide it Great. behind the shed at the sherry? No. No, it's hidden. Do you guys have my a deer wife. on Long Island? I forget. Or were they no, all my wife like... thinks I'm going to bring ticks into the backyard if I grow stuff or slugs or whatever. I don't know. So I'm growing He hides this, it behind the shed. I swear I'm growing this behind <laughs> the shed. It's got ample sunlight. But I'm growing it behind the shed. She knows it's there, but like she doesn't want to see it because she thinks I'm attracting animals and bugs there's to no the backyard. Deer. There's no deer. There's no deer in Long Island? There's no deer. The deer will eat no, all my stuff. No, there's deer in Fire Island. Yeah. But oh, I really? see deer. They yeah. eat out of the garbage there. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> sounds, sounds it's lovely. quite uh, picaresque. <laughs> all right. My favorites. Ozark season four, last season. One of the best finales to any show I've ever watched. Unbelievable. On, I like Ozark. It? Love it. I'm so sad. So great. Can I tell you something? I was really sad too. Because I, I I thought there were eight episodes. Oh. So I had no seven. closure. I didn't know. I didn't say goodbye. You couldn't tell the last one was the last one? I thought there was eight. Because it doesn't so make it sense. It didn't occur to me yeah. until I hit next. I was like, wait, 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 wait. I go, uh, No! Oh, what did they do? That's six, a really weird six feeling. I've had that, that thing too. It was, it was messed up. It messed with me. Yeah. But anyway, they nailed it. They did. It was so satisfying. Yeah. They they did it they did it almost as though Jason Bateman said guys I want to be able to walk on the street after this 
Like what do I don't want to like I don't want to be one of these people that takes someone on a four season ride oh. and has them fall in love with these stories and the characters and then piss everybody off at the end to be artistic. It was I one. Of, let's wrap everybody's. I don't story. know if this is recency. It's I think it's in my top ten. I love that it's show. So good. It's really good. But I couldn't watch it after a while. It's just the violence was getting to me. Uh-huh. I just like. Oh, but that's why I watched. Uh, it. I, I, I wanted more violence. Really you're a it wasn't dark enough. John Ozark. Ozark. Love it. Love it. Did you finish? Halfway through. Okay. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we binge watched it in the first like twenty four hours. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't even let a day go by. Yeah, no, no, it was it was very. I good. was done by Saturday. The, Wait, the violence was a lot. I looked away at some scenes. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was uh, just kind of like sometimes I just don't want to see people's heads get. This blown season off. was not about Marty Bird, Ruth, and Wendy just have taken over the show. Yeah, right. Like Ruth they is, are Ruth the two incredible. main characters of the She's show. She's incredible. It's Ruth is kind of like the the kind of. The the the, the you redneck. could say redneck. Yeah, it's okay. Only yeah. New Yorkers listen to this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, she's amazing. She's that awesome. actress she's, is incredible. She's incredible. When you consider, she was just playing the German heiress on HBO two months ago. Oh yeah, uh, Anna Delvey or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like completely transforms into these she's characters. A star. Isn't it weird they drop that literally in the in the middle in between the two yes. season or the two like halves of Ozark? Yeah, she's incredible. Weird. Actually, TV's back. Like I feel like TV's on fire. Wait, now. I got a show for you guys. What do you got? So this is what S- we're doing. Slow Horses. Oh, I haven't started I've it yet, about but that. I've heard good things. Multiple people. We got a thumbs up from John. Yeah, John's yeah, yeah. into it. What's so. the premise? Well, so it's my favorite. I, I was a fan of these guys, this guy's spy, spy novels. His name is Mick Heron. The premise is you know, like how in New York City teachers, like if they're really bad, they can't fire them. You put them in a rubber Tenure. room. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it's like that, but the there's for bureaucratic reasons. Um, there's this thing in the British intelligence services where you have these up spies. They send them to this one place where it's like busy work, and they hope that they quit okay. after a while. But you know, they get roped in this like gang of screw up spies. And they don't quit. Yeah, they don't quit. Okay, um, I love it. Apple? Awesome. Apple TV. Uh, the, Apple. The fun, the, the the books are hilarious, laugh out loud, funny, and they preserved a lot of the great dialogue. But Gary Oldham is like this main, the guy who runs the team. Oh, he's the best. He's like a washed up. One of the greatest actors. Yeah. Just amazing. It's really yeah. good. It's really okay. good. The books are great too. Mick Heron is the name of the writer. All right. I got to check that out. I, I have it on my list. So the Northman, where you saw, you went to the movie theater to see yeah, this? I did. By yourself? Yeah. Why? I was going to, I was going to. Why did you text me? I was going with somebody who canceled and I just said, I'm just going to go. I would have come. You would have come. I should have called. I should have. Although you. I do hate Robert Eggers. No you would have hated this movie. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. You would have hated it. I know. This was the most violent thing. I heard there's a lot of head chopping. Honestly, it goes so far beyond that. There's a main character who has no nose. His nose has been <laughs> removed, so it's just holes what was it? It was, in front of his face. Because it was a film, right? It was a film. Just slow. It was boring. All right. How do I describe this? Do you know? Do you remember True Blood? Remember True of Blood on HBO? Yeah, Eric Northman. So right. Yeah. yeah. So it's him. Yeah. I guess he's 10 years older now. Great actor of Scandinavian descent. He's the main guy. Right. And he's a like a berserker, which are the scariest types of yeah. Vikings. They're like the shock troops. They're they're hypnotized using a mixture of like uh drugs and whatever into thinking that they're part bear, part wolf. Yeah. And by the way, the historical detail that this director was going for is the reason I went to see it. Like, this is not Lord of the Rings. Yeah, this guy's obsessed. This guy's obsessed yeah, with yeah. nailing the true details of how these people lived. Yeah. And a lot of their lives were based on, like, mysticism and magic. That's cool. And so these people would be hypnotized, and they could, like, kill a thousand people each <laughs> because they were just so completely lost in shedding blood. So why would I hate it? Because I love violence. Okay. It was boring, right? It was no. filmy. 
No, it was very artistic. Yeah, okay, same thing. So there would be like whole scenes where it was like, <laughs> wait, that was fantasy. That didn't really happen. And I just, I guess I could picture you being like, wait, what? what is this bullshit? Did you watch The Lighthouse? I saw that I one. it's the same director. Oh, one. oh, it is the same director. Oh, so if you hated that, I, that's that's really that's the that, I know I know people uh, filmmakers love that movie. It's, to, to me, that's the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> so this is that, but with people Willem having Defoe, like their weird. eyeballs it, ripped yeah. out and eaten in front of them. Like this is honestly, I've never seen anything. More I, I'm, gonna, well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna hate watch it. Now, if you are gonna watch it, go watch it in the theater because the cinematography of Iceland is ridiculous. But is it th- is it two and a half hours? No, it's two hours. Okay, all right. I'll hate watch it. I'm gonna hate watch it at home. Hate, catch. Hate, hate watch it if you must, but I I I I appreciate that it. That guy's that guy's. I don't think. Good. By the way, this is a movie that you never want to watch twice. He's not quite as bad as Paul Thomas Anderson, but he's close. <laughs> God. And with that, <laughs> all right. Listen, did you have fun today? Yeah, it was awesome, man. Okay. Have me back. It's fun. What's oh, 100. We're gonna have you back. Yeah. Uh, so you have to keep writing though. Listen, uh, I, I read every one of your things. Here's what I you. do. Thank you for re- uh, reading. Kate Marino, I guess, cur- curates the newsletter. Yeah, she's the editor. She okay. Yeah, and and, and so em- Emily Peck too is my. Wait, I don't Peck. subscribe. How do, I, I'm embarrassed to admit. How do I do that, Matt? Just do where do Axios, we go? Subscribe Axios Markets. Axios Markets. Yeah. All right. I'm in. I'm you, in. Do, you do a great job with it, and I read it. I get it every morning, and you usually have an article in there. Yeah. Right. And uh, I feel like it's a great use of time because it's a short amount of time. Smart brevity on the markets. Awesome. So, hey, you do a great job with it. Thanks Thank very much. Coming. Thanks for having me. All right, Matthew Thanks, Phillips. Man. And how do we follow you? You hate Twitter, but at, you're there. Yeah, <laughs> at Matthew Phillips. Two at, L's. At Matthew Phillips with yep. two L's, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you like and subscribe if you had a good time listening to the show and you want to experience it twice. Check out youtube.com slash the compound RWM. Big John does a great job bringing this podcast to life visually and so you can watch Matt's uh, reactions to all the ridiculous things I've said today and Michael's eye rolls and it's just a great experience either way you want to get it audio or video Duncan great job today Nicole we missed you this week we'll see you next week and we are out of here take it easy alright you feel warmed up you ready to do this <laughs> that's long man that's fun now where are you from uh, I'm just getting an accent I'm staying here and I picked up so I went to see